Welcome to Gain That Tune. everybody it is game that tune back in the house once again it's your boy john harrington here and we got john regan with us say hey hey we got jesse moore say hey hey and we've got david fleming say hey hey hell yeah fellas welcome back game that tune in the house for episode 188 and man, we are going to have a blast tonight. This is going to be a very special edition of Game That Tune. Uh, what we do around here is we listen to video game music. We've each brought three songs from a game. We're going to try and guess each other's games based on the songs with a little bit of trivia. We're going to goof off. We're going to have a lot of fun. And the winner at the end of the night picks the theme for the next episode and plays some bonus tunes. And I was the winner last week, and I'm still reeling off that medication that I've been on. And so I had a really wild theme in mind, something that we have not done in the previous 187 episodes of Game That Tune. At any point, we've been pretty staunch about this. Uh, any time that we've broken the, the rules, uh, you know, we've given each other hearty shit about it. Uh, this, uh, this podcast up until now has strictly featured games that were released in the United States of America. Uh, very seldom did we venture outside. Of the uh, of the greats, uh, the you know the fifty states, uh, you know maybe we did some Alaska and Hawaii games. Um, well, wait, John, yes, this is part of the fifty states. You know this, right? I, know, I, I, I was going to say continental, but it, it's a long word. Uh, I got <laughs> I got scared of it. But yeah, so uh, we're we're changing it up. We're going you know into a brave new world out there. The rest of the world, uh, we are <laughs> listening tonight to games strictly released everywhere else anywhere but the united states games that were never released in the united states that's the theme tonight so it's gonna be interesting man because there's a ton of games out there and i don't think we've played any of the games that we're featuring tonight but they got some good soundtracks and i think we're just gonna have a blast i mean when has not playing a game ever prohibited us from having a great conversation on game that tune John, I, I ask you personally. Yeah, no, I I was gonna say like, are we supposed to play the games? Like, was that a, a rule I've been violating a lot? I mean, yes, John. Yeah, you know, we've featured over nine hundred games on the show at this point, and quite frankly, I'm gonna be disappointed if I find out that you've played less than any amount of that. I think you know, yeah, you were supposed to have played everything by now, John. Like, you're supposed to play five games a week. You know, we're breaking the breaking the like the reality of the show here. Uh, we all know each other's games going into the episode. We're all supposed to have played all five games every week. <laughs> that's that's always been the policy, John. If you can't keep up, man, maybe you just need to get out. Um, but yeah, so anyway, we got a great show to, show coming up tonight. We got great fan requests and uh, great tunes from around the world. So, uh, Johnny, let's jump right into it. Game one. Brace yourselves. Ha <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, guys. So uh, this is our fan request for the evening. This one comes to us via our Discord server from Dell. Who else? Uh, and thank you very much, Dell, for this request. Uh, so trivia for this game that I, I know will help you out. Um, a writer for Complex included this game on a list of company-branded games that, quote, didn't suck, commenting that the game is not bad as long as the player can tolerate the large amount of advertisements in it. Okay, guys. Uh, I hope everybody's feeling good on that one. I'm sorry. Can you do the trivia one more time? Uh, I need a little help. Once you okay. once you show me your answer, let's uh, <laughs> let's see what you guys got. Oh, uh, let's see. Yeah, you're you're all correct. I can't believe it. Everybody said Pepsi Man. This is a hat trick. Ah, Pepsi Man, you got here just at the perfect time. I got a call that a vending machine ahead ran out of Pepsi, and I was just on my way there when I got a flat tire. There are a bunch of people gathered in front of the vending machine. They want Pepsi, and the word is that they're just about to riot. I plan to head over there as soon as I can fix this flat, but it looks like it's going to take some time. Can't you do something, Pepsi Man? Was that well, Brian Hossein? I don't know, maybe. I hardly see how that scenario is Pepsi Man's responsibility. What on earth could Pepsi Man do to help out a, a broken-down Pepsi delivery driver trying to prevent people from rioting over lack of Pepsi? Uh, you know, we're Somewhere. jumping to both feet on this one. This, uh, Man. this is just wild. Somewhere in Japan, there is an American actor who was paid money to read those words. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Yeah, because you really got to justify a game like Pepsi, man. <laughs> like, uh, Do you? Uh, yes, John. <laughs> like, I, I've always wondered about this game. I never bothered looking it up like... Pepsi Man wasn't an American creation at all, was he? Like, I don't remember Pepsi Man as a, a mascot. I remember that little girl who, like, drank pep, who wanted a Pepsi, please. Like, was Pepsi Man a thing in America? No. no. Okay, good. I didn't think so. Yeah, so this is a Japanese-only game for the PlayStation 1, Pepsi Man. Um, apparently, it's very similar to Crash Bandicoot. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, which is really funny because it's just like a running and jumping, like kind of avoiding obstacles, gauntlet kind of game. But you're Pepsi Man. I'm like, man, shouldn't Pepsi Man be like whooping some ass, or like you know beating up like the embodiment of thirst, or like yeah, I don't know, like shooting cans out of a bazooka or something like why is he just running like see that that's what it should have been we should have gotten the pepsi man beat him up where instead of the mad gear gang he's beating up like pretzels and the sun and yeah. like jars of salt pepsi man versus the thirsties yeah <laughs> pretty and good the final man. boss is a, is a is a coke machine but you can't yeah. win because coke is way better Whoa, 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 man. That's, uh, you know, there will be no besmirching of uh, Pepsi Man on this episode. Uh, now would be a good time to cut to a commercial break. Uh, Game That Tune <laughs> is brought to you by Pepsi. Uh, <laughs> it's not. Pepsi Man! <laughs> uh, that is, oh, that is a permanent sound on the soundboard for any time we mention Pepsi. <laughs> oh. Pepsi Man! Which, if you've heard our show, is very common, apparently. It comes up so often. You know, like, frequently, David now. says, we need a Pepsi break mid-show. <laughs> like, Spikes! Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, it's Pepsi, man. Uh, anybody played this? <laughs> no. No? Come on, man. This one's so oddballs and oddities that I thought maybe it would have made its way over to Jesse somehow. Like, you know, I thought I've, maybe. I've heard about it, but so, I haven't played it. Do they have any levels where your goal is to get restaurants to stop asking if Pepsi is okay? And <laughs> oh instead say, just, oh, we got Pepsi? When they say be a- that, I'm usually like, I'll have a Mountain Dew instead. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, water's fine then. Um, yeah. There needs to be one where Pepsi Man is working as a bartender, and he has to take all the complaints when people bring their drinks back and they're too sweet. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, just the common Pepsi scenarios. And then tying in with uh, the Super Bowl recently, there should be one where Pepsi Man has to direct a halftime show. Uh, with yeah, Missy Elliott? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm back uh, on board now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, God, yeah, you got to book a bunch of acts and book a, you know, make a hip halftime show for the Super Bowl. You know, featuring Pepsi Man. Um, I would absolutely... I love... I have not played Pepsi Man, but I love the fictional Pepsi Man that we've created where it's basically a 2D brawler, but, like, one of the bonus stages is a strategy game where you plan out the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm into this. They really should make this sequel, man. This, uh... Yeah. This, it would it would be a million seller, man. If, if Bubsy can get, like, a modern remake, Pepsi Man's way overdue, you know? Like, bring him back. Would it I be feel like there switch? might be some licensing issues, but... I don't, I don't see how that could possibly come up. You know, like, get it on Kickstarter, the same guys that made that Shaq Fu remake. You know, like oh, the, no! <laughs> Pepsi Man, the Legend Reborn. No, see, that's what uh. we need is, you know, kind of like how Igarashi made Bloodstained, which was not quite Castlevania, and Inafune made Mighty Number no. 9, which is not quite Mega Man. We need a Kickstarter not where we play all. as, like, Cola D. Dude. Yeah. Oh God, that's a good Pepsi idea. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, real quick, did you, did you guys ever play that uh, that new Shaq Fu uh, Legend Reborn? Mm-mm. I no. do believe they you know they did have a very humorous. Speaking of like uh, branding and advertisement, I think that Shaq had to solicit Gold Bond medicated powder to sponsor the game. Um, Perfect. 
because at some I have point so in many questions <laughs> at some point in the game there's a character that just keeps saying gold bond and I've listened to the soundtrack for thinking of maybe using it on the show and there's a rap where eventually it just breaks down and says I get paid every time that I say gold bond gold bond gold bond <laughs> and I'm just like what is happening to reality right now like <laughs> what is going on this is a like offensive Asian stereotype rapping about gold bond in a shack game in 2018 so uh, yeah that's the thing so, you know, Pepsi oh. Man can come back. <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> uh, I, I don't see the issue. Um, Johnny, we got a couple other scenarios there, man. Do you want to play us uh, Pepsi Man in the Desert? Sure. Do it. Pepsi Man! Pepsi Man. A plane full of passengers had to make an emergency landing in the desert. We were on our way there when the helicopter broke down. Fortunately, no one was hurt or killed, but in the middle of nowhere, right in the middle of the desert, and they are all exhausted. Another helicopter is on the way, but it looks like it's going to take some time. Isn't there anything we can do to help them until that helicopter arrives? Yes. Okay, Pepsi so let me man. make sure I let me make sure I understand this. A plane full of people crashed, and their helicopter is no longer working. The the plane full of people went down emergency landing. No one is Too dead, uh, and I guess a rescue helicopter uh, to okay. get them out of there is uh, in disrepair. And Pepsi Man is essentially a Saint Bernard with like medicine. <laughs> you know, like, get some Pepsi to these people in the desert. <laughs> yeah. How? How <sighs> how close do you think he is to like Duff Man? Oh man, see I, that's really my. You know, I was similar? wondering, like there I be, there's got to be no voice for Pepsi Man. Pepsi Man just has to be announced by that Pepsi Man sound, and never say anything ever. And that's really unfortunate because you know I kind of want. I mean, I I need to know what kind of guy Pepsi Man is. He can't I'm, just be a super athlete that gives people Pepsi. I'm pretty sure what it is is Duff Man goes overseas to shoot the Pepsi Man ads thinking that we would never see oh, them here man. in the United States. <laughs> That's, That's probably true. Yeah, he gets to wear a mask and everything. It's just a big Pepsi logo. Nobody yeah. questions it. That's a good idea, man. All right, man. Uh, John, let's just uh, let's wrap this up. We got one last Pepsi head scenario, and then let's, uh, let's get away from this guy. He's, uh, he's giving me the creeps. Pepsi Man! Pepsi Man! It looks like the main computer of Pepsi City went out of control a little while ago from being overloaded. All the roads are affected by the computer and we can't move ahead. There isn't enough Pepsi for everyone and violence has flared up amongst those wanting Pepsi. Exhausted people are collapsing because they can't refresh themselves with Pepsi. If it continues like this, there will be a worldwide shortage of Pepsi and we'll have a real problem. Can't you do something to put the computer back in working order? That's some serious dystopian that, shit. With that like is, people uh, go crazy if they don't get their Pepsi. Yeah, that's They're a violent. Lot. They're erupting in violence. That's a lot to unpack. So okay, one, Pepsi owns a city. Two, if that city runs out of Pepsi, people riot. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
And three, Pepsi Man's the IT guy. <laughs> I was gonna say, it's like, I love the fact that Pepsi Man's superpowers are running super fast and delivering Pepsi. A computer has broken, and people don't have enough Pepsi, so it's his job to replace the computer. Like, oh, this is not the appropriate use of his abilities. Don't satisfy the citizenry with Pepsi. Fix the computer. Uh, Chief, that's, you know, or, I don't know, based on that voice, J. Jonah Jameson, that's not yeah. really my job. <laughs> I love that guy's shouting, too. He's like, the people are running out of Pepsi. Like, he really <laughs> leaned into that. Like, going for it, man. Uh, oh, God, yeah, that's the mayor of Pepsi City, uh, P. Pepsi Pepsi Man. Um, <laughs> Pepsi Man's a menace, I tell you. <laughs> Oh, God, I don't even want to get into a, who Pepsi Man's fucking uh, secret identity is and what he does when he's not Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, he's the reporter at the Daily Pepsi. Uh, it's just, we're not doing it. So anyway, uh, fuck yeah, Dell. Thanks a lot for requesting this. And, uh, you know, Johnny, hit that Pepsi Man sound one more time and take us to the next game. Let's get some real shit. <laughs>
Alright guys, this is the only Famicom game to use the Yamaha YM2149F sound chip, also known as the, the 5B sound chip. All right, guys. I never see it coming, Johnny, when you do fucking sound chip trivia. Good Lord. <laughs> Fortunately, oh. I know how to handle that these days. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Um, Jesse says, Mr. Gimmick, which is close, and I'll count it. Everybody says, Gimmick. This is Gimmick. So this is a gimmick for the Famicom. Uh, uh, it was called Mr. Gimmick in Europe. Yes, that's why I counted it. <laughs> okay, cool. You said close, yeah. so I just yeah, wanted yeah. to make sure you knew that was a real thing. Specifically, just Scandinavia. It was not released like widely in Europe, just the Scandinavian countries. Uh, you know, those Finns, they, they love gimmick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this is a Sunsoft game. It came out in 1992, a late Famicom release. And apparently, they're, uh, what, what they wanted to do was create a platform game and push the Famicom to its limits uh, to try to compete with the you know, Super Nintendo, which was out. And mm. at the time, it did not sell well, and it did not get good reviews. Uh, I think yeah, that's, a, that's a foolish idea they had. <laughs> most people compared it to what was currently on the Super Nintendo and were like, mm, no, uh, no, thank you. Uh, but apparently... Yeah. Uh, the, and let me find the quote here. Sorry, I should have had this earlier. Um, I mean, it took a while. But basically, in retrospect, people began to like it. Right. And it only From what I understand, about, it it obviously was never appreciated at, at the time because it was a late NES game. It looked like a kid's game. Uh, and then it's like, you know, this game's fucking hard. Like, this game's too hard for kids. And then, like, you know, years later, with the benefit of, like, emulation, people are like... Uh, actually, this game's got a lot going on, and it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, that that's my understanding of gimmick. Yeah, the director later uh, at the time he, uh, you know, he was hoping that like a dealer would see it as the next uh, like and like you know really just go with it. And most dealers like when they learned it was a Famicom game, kind of shied away from buying copies. And he mm. later joked that like in retrospect, it only took ten years for people to appreciate it. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, good, <laughs> you know, good on him. 
glad he could have a sense of humor about it because yeah, it seems like a fool's errand to try and like okay, we got the uh, the Famicom. You know, do you want to try to develop this for the Super Famicom? No, let's do everything <laughs> we can for the Famicom. It's like you know, you can't win. Like, you're, you're, well, I mean, you're not gonna win for- this. But man. Lest we forget that like Mega Man Six came out on the NES in like '94 or something like yep. that. And I love Mega Man Six, but it's not as good as Mega Man X. <laughs> like, it simply isn't. But yeah, like this game, they it, it rivals uh, Kirby's Adventure in terms of like graphic quality. Like, they really did a good <laughs> job with making this look good. Um, yeah. And it's got some pretty interesting gameplay elements. You, uh, your your primary mm, weapon slash tool is like a, a star that you throw around. And when you throw it, it like bounces around off the ground, and you can jump on it and ride on it. In addition to attacking enemies with it, so you can mm-hmm. do things like throw like kind of like how Super Mario players, Super Mario World, or yes, Mario World players like to do the whole shell jump thing, where they kick a shell on the wall, jump off it, hit a new ledge. You can do that kind of thing with a star, you know, throw the star on a wall, jump off it, get to a hidden area. And uh, the game so is a little bit it, brutal. Oh, go ahead, David. I was going to say, it's like, so it's a, a very cute, colorful game starring like a little monster character that rides around on a star released late in the console's oh. lifespan. Are <laughs> yeah. we sure this isn't just Kirby's Adventure? Mm. <laughs> oh, you might be right. No, yeah. so uh, do yeah. they call it gimmick because they stole Kirby's gimmick? <laughs> <laughs> Can't call this thing Kirby, we, but you know we have all of his gimmicks here. So, well, that's that's actually sounds kind of cool. Gimmick it is! Exclamation point! Yes, absolutely! Hell yeah! <laughs> and and Mister for the Euros! Yeah, <laughs> yeah apparently, <laughs> Sunsoft USA didn't want to bother releasing in the US because they thought it was just too weird. And I mean, the story is weird. Like somebody accidentally buys a green yokai, um, mistaking it for a toy, and gives it to his daughter for her birthday. Oh, she not again. she loves it. The other toys get jealous and send her to an alternate dimension. Ooh. Holy shit! <laughs> okay, all right now. Right? Now we're cooking. <laughs> so it's it's basically Toy Story meets Superman two. Yes, I've never seen Superman two, so I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's going in kind of a Toy Story direction, maybe like a Gremlins direction, and then it's like, and then they go to an alternate dimension. Like, I'm not sure what direction that just went. <laughs> well, well, well. And then here's the thing: if you beat if you beat the game, you learn that she's still missing. Apparently, uh-huh. and the game just starts over. What you uh-huh. have to do is every level has like a secret area that you got to find. Uh, and if you find all the secrets, then you unlock a hidden seventh level and a hidden seventh boss, and then you rescue the girl. Okay, I thought she was just like, you guys got warped to like the wrong dimensions, and it was gonna be like some <laughs> fucking, like some slider shit. You're gonna, gimmick was gonna have to find her, like, you know, jumping through dimensions for the rest of eternity. And <laughs> yeah, the final level is like, you know, a trillion realities just folding in on each other and forming one sharp blade. It's the time knife is what I'm referring to. Yeah, you should have um, taken a left of the barbecue dimension. And, I don't know, man. <laughs> See, for a second, so, uh, I thought you were going to be, it was like Ghosts and Goblins, where you go through the game, like, when everything's like, uh, okay, but you haven't actually escaped from the dimension. Do everything all over again. Yeah, see, we don't invoke that show, like, or that, that game on this show. That is, uh, it's just, oh, it's not anything I want to think of. <laughs> but, ah, then, mm. Yeah, the music, too. I love the music in this. 
Music that is pretty fantastic tunes. Yeah, yeah. So, so an interesting thing that we've never really talked about on the show before, I don't think, is the Famicom had the ability to add audio to games by having chips on the cartridge, right? So you could have it. The cart could have a chip in it that I think it would, I think the way it worked was the cart could read in the NES audio or the Famicom audio, and then mm. add its audio to it and send it back and you know push it out the console. I think that's about the gist of it. Dope. And so um, some games had these chips for just things like voice samples and things like that. Like a bunch of um, Namco games had them in like baseball games to announce things, stuff like that. Uh, but but Sunsoft went with this Yamaha chip. Uh, which added three extra channels of FM synth, I think, and Hell yeah. and told the told the composer like use every channel, like use every goddamn channel, and he did. And apparently, that's how he re- re- recollects writing the music for this game. He's like, I wasn't really writing music; I was just trying to fill every channel. <laughs> like, yeah, I was just putting stuff on the channels, and eh, if it plays, it plays. It's good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. It spans Are we gonna genres. Be able to- I was gonna say, are we gonna be able to add this to GTT Radio? Because I believe you tried to add the uh, <laughs> the Japanese Castlevania to the radio, and it never played. I'm working on it. I've been I've been I've been collaborating a bit with the author of uh, an NSF player and importing wow. it to Linux. Fuck yeah, John! I, I'm not even joking. Go go. You look hear up, that, radio listeners? <laughs> go look up Johnny NSF. is. Go go look up NSF play on Git. Say whatever. Go, go, go look up NSF play on GitHub. Look at the recent commits. You're gonna see my name. Like <laughs> hell yeah, it's it's dope. I'm proud of you, John. Keep up the great work, man. You're doing the Lord's work, letting people listen to good Japanese music on GTT Radio. Eventually. Um. Anyway. Uh, so, John, did you actually play Gimmick in the lead up to the show? Did you get nope. a chance to toy around with this? <laughs> no. No, I watched some videos a- of it. I first heard about this at a Games Done Quick or something like that a while ago when they pulled with the sped run Mr. Gimmick, and I was watching. I was like, what, what, the, what the hell is this? Is this mm-hmm. looks like Kirby's Adventure. I'm like, what? And I yeah. looked up and was like, oh, wow. It seems like a pretty good candidate for Jesse for a terrible at video. Like... Uh, brutally hard NES platformer starring a little uh, little green yokai. That sounds uh, sounds adorable, and you get to play this music for people. I think you should do it, man. All right, sounds good. Yeah, make yeah, sure you get dude. the Japanese one, not the Scandinavian. What's wrong with Why the not? Scandinavian one? Uh, well, so the Scandinavia, like the U.S., uh, had the Nintendo Entertainment System, not the Famicom, which did oh. not support the expansion audio. Well observed, John. Yeah, Jesse, definitely get the right sound chip because those sounds were fucking fantastic. Seriously, that soundtrack. Yeah. I, I need that to be playable on GTT Radio because I want to request it now. I've heard that music and I need it. It sounds great. So, uh, you know, great job, John. You got me, uh, got me salivating over something <laughs> I've never played. Um, <laughs> anything else on Mister Gimmick uh, or you know Gimmick? Mister Gimmick was his father's name. <laughs> no, I'm excited to try giving this a playthrough though, because like from watching the videos, it does actually look like a pretty enjoyable platformer. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure there are a lot of enjoyable platformers out there that <laughs> just never came to America for one reason or another. And uh, yeah, we should uh, we should try some of these out, man. So uh, hell yeah, Johnny, excellent pick. You know, perfect use of the theme. And uh, I think it's time to keep it going, man. Game three.
lost my trivia for a second. Uh, so this game seems to share a universe with other games by the developer Sing. Uh, this is mostly because of references to a character named Pinky Rabbit, who is a cartoon character familiar to the leads of multiple games by this developer. gentlemen uh anyone have guesses ready or perhaps drawings of penises hey now man don't uh don't go predicting things somebody might have a good guess i'm interested to see him all right so um John Regan has a drawing of a penis, uh, Jesse Moore has a drawing of a penis, and John Harrington is the closest with Trace Memory 2, which is technically correct. Uh, this is another code R, 
A Journey into Lost Memories. Uh, it was called, the series was called Trace, Me- well, the game was called Trace Memory in America, but referred to as another code in the rest of the world. So, we're giving John a point. Hey! Whew, I thought that was a long-winded way to say I don't get a point. No, this this is the sequel to Trace Memory. It's just Trace Memory was called Another Code in Japan. Yeah, okay. My confused face came from that first song being lifted directly from Trace Memory, which we previously used on the show, and I'm like... And was I, released yeah. in America. Right, yeah, yeah. That's the other problem. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, I thought you were eating your own tail and, you know, doing it wrong. So that was, uh, you know, impressive twist, David. Uh... Yeah. So is this also on the DS? This uh, this another code art. So this is the Wii sequel to Trace Memory, which was never released in America. And I was always kind of pissed about that because I really enjoyed the first Trace Memory, and it's like they upped it out. It's now 3D. It's on the Wii. Like I want to play this. Like oh well, you know. Trace Memory like wasn't a huge hit. It was kind of like a smaller game. It's a like point and click adventure, visual novel. Like there's probably a lot of translation. They don't want to spend that money. Okay, I understand that. But the game was released in Europe, <laughs> all throughout Europe, yeah. including the United Kingdom. It's like, wait, you you have an English version of this, right? Why won't you release this? I'm just picturing Shiggy emailing you personally, like, responding to everything you're saying. It's like, I'm sorry, David, there's literally zero interest besides you. I can't justify the expense of even hitting, you know, Control-C and then Control-V into the United States, you know, Wii Shop channel. I can't let you have this. I just, I simply can't. Only you, David. Only you wanted it. (laughs) I did because, um... I think enough time has passed now. Uh, I soft modded my Wii so that I could import the Japanese version of Tatsunoko versus Capcom because I was Whoa. convinced that never game would. I was convinced that game Piracy. would never release in America, and then it did. So I was like, well, if I can play games outside of America, maybe I should try to buy another code. Because I really enjoyed this game, um, and this game continues the story of. So Ashley wait, wait, wait! Robin. Did you not? Did you not buy it, or did you? Oh no, I I bought um, the Japanese Tatsunoko versus Capcom. I mean, I this just game. modded my Wii to play this. No, I did not buy this. Okay, so yeah, you did all that soft mod work for a game that ultimately came out in America, and then <laughs> didn't follow through on this. Like, oh, man, egg on my face. Yeah, you know, pirate eggs all over your face, just. <laughs> Terrible. Those are the worst kinds, What too. is a boy to do? Yeah. <laughs> Good eye! <laughs> but this game, it looked really fun. Uh, it continued the story of Ashley Robbins. Um, after uncovering her memories from Blood Edward Island, uh, she tries to reconnect with her father. She's now a 16-year-old who has joined a band, um, and they're going to do, like, a camping trip at some, like, camping resort. So... She goes out there, but suddenly there's another mystery, and she's having, like, memory flashbacks to the night her mother was killed, and it still has that same intrigue mystery element the first game had. Like, literally the first thing that happens when you get off the bus is some woman bumps into you and steals your bag. So it's like, wait, (laughs) who was that? Who took my thing? What's going on? I don't remember who took my bag. Oh, no. (laughs) 
It just happened. She's right there. Run. <laughs> but it, um, like the DS version, like it used a lot of puzzles and it used the Wii controls for the puzzles. Um, so they were great and had no issues whatsoever, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect puzzles. But I mean, it was a point-and-click adventure game. You would think that would be perfect for the Wii interface because you can point and click. Mm, I'm gonna have to check on that because uh, they, you know they tried it a few different times. I guess if you just point and click, and it's when motion got involved in like those early Wii games prior to prior to the Motion Plus. Uh, yeah, I believe what was. Uh, I was working at Blockbuster, so I didn't buy it, but I definitely got my hands on a copy of Trauma Center for the Wii. And man, surgery with a Wii remote is a terrible idea. <laughs> oh lord, I can't keep this like killer virus from bursting out of this person's skin because the Wii remote's so imprecise. So maybe pointing and clicking would work for it, but yeah, I, I, I was wary after that. After that, I just wanted to waggle it, baby. Waggle it and bowl with it. Well, I mean, like, it's not like you would have had the chance to play this game because it didn't come out. And right. I'm still but sad it, about that. Yeah, actually, so I'm trying to think of the the uh, point-and-click game-ish that I did play with Zack and Wiki, uh, Quest for Barbaro's Treasure. Pretty fun game. Uh, and ultimately, you know, uh, a point-and-click game <laughs> that occasionally asks you to twist the Wii remote in a certain direction. It's like, that's fine. That's just fine, game. Good job. And also, the monkey turned into a bell, so I'll give you one guess what you did with the remote a lot. Um, okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, but... Right yeah, this, the butt. this game seems butt like bell. very similar to a lot of that. Um, you do get... Because in the first game, you get like a special device that's basically a DS. So in this game, you get a hacking device that's basically a Wii remote. And, I like, the that. hacking minigame is you point it to the lock, and then you're given a sequence of buttons, buttons like A, B, 1, A, and you push that, and then it opens the lock. Love it. Yeah. I, I love games. We need to do, like, an inventory article or, like, a video on uh, games that give your character an in-game version of a Nintendo controller throughout time, because that is always so funny. I mean, it's like, welcome to Mario Party 10. Here's your party pad that you have to do everything with. I'm like, a Wii U controller, you mean? <laughs> like, I'm holding that right now. Like, you don't have to justify this, Nintendo. I w you could have just said, look at the Wii U controller. Don't, don't hand a version of it to Mario every time. <laughs> You have unlocked the Stone of Agony, which resonates when darkness... Oh, it's it's a rumble pack. Okay, cool. Uh, or all the things that happened in WarioWare Smooth Moves. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It's just the Wii Remote again. I know what that is. I know that shape and that button layout. Ah, uh, fine. Yeah, the Vibe Scepter or whatever it was. Uh, anyway. Um, um, but this game was pretty cool, and... The, the first game, like, it was... Everything was, like, hand-drawn. It had, like, a top-down uh, view. This one, you get, like, a 3D view. And all of the characters are obviously 3D models that are cel-shaded, so they look really clean and sharp. And then Sweet. all the backgrounds look like watercolor paintings. So it actually Sweet. has, like, a really pretty distinct style. And I like, as you move from, like, section to section of the... Um, camp that you're exploring like there's a little animation where Ashley starts jogging down the path and like all the trees open up kind of like a pop-up book so mm. there's like some fun animations that way and it just looked like a really cool interesting 
you know, point and click adventure game. And I was really excited for this to come out because they advertised it and then it just never did. Oh shit! See, I didn't know they did that. That's also that's a classic tale of like seeing it in a Game Pro magazine, uh, you know, three years before it's supposed to come out, and then it just doesn't come out. Um, yeah, I think that's, it, that's I, a fucking shame. I don't remember if it was E3 or like Consumer Electronics Show, but Nintendo definitely had like a press conference where they were hyping up like Wii games, and this was mentioned, and then it never came out in America. <laughs> Please tell me it was a casualty of the you know catastrophic Wii Music press conference. Where it's like, okay, well, fucking yeah, the only oh no, the only thing anybody's talking about is that fucking Wii Music thing we all did. They don't even care that we're doing a new another code or yeah. You know, oh shit, scrap it. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, this game and uh, anybody else remember Project Hammer? Hell Still yeah, waiting dude. for that to get released on Nintendo yeah. Wii. See, yeah, that game looked fucking dope. And I bet you if they had handed Project Hammer over to the guys that made No More Heroes, we would have gotten Project Hammer, and it would have been right. Because early on in those Wii games, they, you know, the guys uh, with No More Heroes pretty much cracked the code. You use the buttons to do most of the complicated attacking, and you swing it in a certain direction to do something cool. That's your fucking code. (laughs) Yeah. Project Hammer could have been dope. I mean, it's a guy holding a big hammer. And they obviously just, you know, there's... You know there's a deleted scene in that deleted game of somebody being like, Yeah, man, here's your, uh, here's your, you know, like, nega hammer. And he hands him a Wii remote that, like, turns into a giant hammer. Like, you know that happens. (laughs) So, anyway, um... Yeah, I was man. waiting for Johnny to chime in since he finally yeah, pulled John, his microphone. John back. dropped his oh, mic shit. in front of oh, him. Oh shit! Like, John's he's got coming. something. He's got the hammer takes. <laughs> I have he no doesn't. idea what we're talking about. <laughs> oh no! God <laughs> damn it! <laughs> oh Johnny, um, favorite instance. Favorite instance of a character being handed a device in a game that resembles the controller you're playing the game with. Go. I can't. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Actually, shit. Like it's I'm primarily of, an, it's primarily a Nintendo trope because they have all say, the unique really? control systems. Because we came up with like five of them. Huh. <laughs> it's all right, man. Yeah, I'm not giving you any shit for being tuned out. It's uh, you know maybe Johnny, you played this game uh, maybe about 13 years ago, and you just don't have any memories of it. Have you considered that? I have not. Oh um, man. Something familiar about this game, isn't it, mm. Johnny? You know, yeah. Back around the time when your mother passed away. Wait. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> Wait. My mom's. My mom's dead. Dude. <laughs> I'd be know so to... fucked up if she joined the chat right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's prone to poppins, and hey, she Johnny. pops in to learn she died 13 years ago when I'm Johnny not was dead. Johnny was soft modding his Wii. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, David. I always anything? like when I get to bring a game that I'm passionate about, and as I'm describing it, I look to the chat, and all three of you are looking at something else. <laughs> hey, I, you know, I was listening and hanging on your every word. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I'm intrigued. If nothing else, I'm intrigued by that watercolor and cell shaded art style. Because if it's a game about the nature of like memory and lost memories, I think a watercolor art style is a really excellent fucking like choice. So, I wish we could play this. Uh, not only 
you know, has it not come out in America? It was also, was it a full release or a WiiWare release? I don't, I don't no, want to get that a, wrong. No, it was a full release. Um, okay, good. So it's not a dead WiiWare game. We could realistically play this at some point in our lifetimes if we had the desire to. Yes. Um, good. And I, I still might try to track this down because, again, like, I enjoyed the first game and I really do kind of want to play this game. And you still have that soft modded Wii, don't you? I do. And yeah, dude, we, I, we don't get rid of things. I mentioned it before uh, when we brought up Trace Memory. Um, I think Ashley is just a cool character. Like, she's very uncharacteristic for a protagonist, and I like seeing more of her. And yes. it sucks that she only got two games. Yeah, she's very John Regan. So uh, with that, David, if there's nothing else, we got to move on to the next game, man. Yeah, I think we need to move on. All right. Game Ashley, four. Johnny.
All right, so this is a second fan request for the evening. I figured after that first one, we should have one where we might actually have to guess the game. Um, so this uh, this is our European fan request. That last one was our Japanese fan request. So uh, this game, uh, this game, and another game for the uh, based on this character for the Super Nintendo were never released in America. However. Uh, games featuring this character had been released in North America dating as far back as 1983. However, that 1983 game was actually rebranded using Looney Tunes characters instead of this game's character. Can you read All that right, you one more time? Oh, I'd greatly prefer not to. Uh, so this game, as well as another uh, game for this character uh, for the Super Nintendo, were not released in North America. However, games featuring this character had been released in North America, dating as, uh, as far back as 1983. However, that 1983 Atari game, I'll add Atari this time, uh, was actually rebranded featuring Looney Tunes characters rather than this character. Oh, John. Great guess. Johnny says 10-10. He's incorrect. Jesse, still writing. Uh, Jesse's got some shine on it. Oh, it's uh, Jesse says Snoopy. God, I wish it was Snoopy. That's incorrect. And David's got the correct answer. This is Asterix. Um, yeah, David, what you know about Asterix? Asterix is huge. In yeah. Europe, like uh -huh. he is incredibly popular, um, and it's a it's a comic strip that mm -hmm. got turned into movies and obviously video games, and it's about like a French. I mean, I don't think he's technically French, but he's like, a Gaul. Gaul, yeah. Because the about whole game like a, takes place in BC times, uh, in like 50 BC, I believe, is the setting of uh, of Asterix the game. Yeah, it's the the comic is about Asterisk and his friend. Uh, I think it's like Obelix, yeah, who are like Gaul warriors fighting against the Romans as they try to invade and conquer as part of the Roman Empire. Yeah, and yeah, that's the. I was reading the description about this. I'm like, you're fighting Romans. I was like, that seems awfully specific. I'm like, oh, it's 50 BC. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> like, you know, a couple of French guys fighting some Romans. Like, that, you know, weird. That's not very PC. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it was BC. Yeah, it's uh, BC. <laughs> <laughs> we did it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Every show. Uh, 
every show that there's something PC, I have to bring up that it's not PC. Good lord. Um, but yeah, uh, and I was going to say they, they made a sequel to this game. So this is Asterix 1993 SNES. They made a 1995 game, Asterix and Obelix, uh, also for the SNES. And that one apparently, I think you can play two players simultaneous. Uh which sounds pretty fucking cool. Like it's it's got a nice art style, and you know you can play as Asterix, the little guy, or Obelix, the giant lummox-looking dude. Very strange-looking character. This Obelix. Uh, he's got like pants up to his armpits and just beats the shit out of stuff. But he's also got like pigtails. I don't know how much of this he's is got, like. I was gonna say he's got know. braids though, doesn't he? He has like braided okay. pigtails. Yes, yes, braided pigtails. I, I was like, you know, is it right to say pigtails? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how much of this is like. Uh, you know, just like a, you know, having fun with old, you know, European, like, uh, you know, tropes or something. Cause I, yeah, I am not familiar with this at all. So I look at a character like Obelix, I'm like, that feels like it's offensive to someone, <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe they're just having fun. <laughs> well, and if I remember, there's like a, I want to say it's like a Renaissance era painting or like there's a very famous European painting of like ancient warriors and you've got like the one noble warrior with a big mustache and like the winged helmet and then the other warrior has like a giant belt and everything and like bright red hair and everybody thinks like that's what Asterisk is based off of like Mm. it's very cartoonish versions of what people thought classic European warriors were like because Asterix himself is like a very short squirt of a character yeah he basically looks like Thor fucked Elmer Fudd um, which is a very (laughs) strange thing to have to say but uh, that's that's what I got it's like uh, you know a little little squat big nose guy who also appears to be wearing like Thor's armor so you know it's uh, it's some European history stuff that I'm not up on, but uh, you know it's it's been around a long time. I almost did like trivia about the voice actors because like you know the French voice actor who originally did the character was the voice of the character from in almost everything they made from 1967 until 2014. Uh, hell of a run! <laughs> so <laughs> that man 50- got that job and locked that <laughs> shit in. Hell yeah, man. I, you know, I, I want to know like how distinct that voice was. Like, well, we can't fucking replace that guy. He is Asterix. Like, you know, you, you just, you can't. But, um, yeah, man. So, I, you know, I know very little about this. But, eh, you know, it seems, uh, seems cool. Seems uh, very beloved in Europe. Like you said, it's, uh, you know, Asterix as a character has been around since, like, I think, like, you know, not, not even the 60s. I think, like, 1959. So, you know, it's old school. It's got to be in terms of like licensing and games. One of the oldest things that is like a license that a license game is made out of. Like, yeah. but it's not like it's not ongoing. There's, you know, it's a fucking media conglomerate. They got movies, live action movies, cartoons, comic strips, all that shit. So I was gonna say, uh, I remember when Euro Disney came out and failed because everybody in Europe was like, "Why the fuck do we want the Disney version?" Like, yeah. they started to slip in other things, and they put like a statue of Asterisk and everything. And then a lot of the Europeans were like, "Well, maybe this will be okay." Right. Yeah, well, let me let me take a look at this. Yeah, I can t- I can check that out. But uh, yeah, so uh, and I you know I also so the request was for Asterix, uh, and that came uh, to us in our Discord from Caledon. Thank you, Kel, for the request. Uh, and I and 
I was preparing for this, I got to the soundtrack to this. Composer is uh, Frederick Minson. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, just a, a kindly European man. But the uh, the sequel, Asterix and Obelix for SNES, was composed by Alberto Jose Gonzalez, uh, as well as the NES and Game Boy versions of this game. I almost picked one of those because uh, I like featuring Alberto Jose. Uh, I don't know if you guys recall previous times we've used that man on the show, but that guy can compose the hell out of some video game music. Uh the, uh, the the one notable thing that I'm thinking of is early on, uh, we had Turok for Game Boy, Battle of the Bionosaurs, and oh, you know, yeah. that soundtrack is like an ultimate crush, and uh, yeah, turns out that guy, uh, he did like the sequels and the, you know, uh, older versions of this, or like, you know, the 8-bit versions, and I'm looking at the Discord, and I'm like, man, Kel specifically said Asterix for SNES, like, why'd you have to be specific, man? <laughs> Ah, I was so close to getting some more Alberto on the show, but uh, it's all good. Um, yeah, the game uh, the game looks fun. Looks like a colorful beat 'em up platformer. Uh, also, one thing that I thought was very funny and makes me actually want to seek this out and play it a little bit in Asterix and Obelix. Uh, I don't know. I, I assume it's only when you're playing as Obelix because he's very strong. He's a big lummoxy guy. When you, it's a side scrolling beat 'em up thing, you encounter the Romans, whatever. You punch him. And he punches them up into the air, and the graphics are done in such a way, it's very cute. Like, you know, you're walking, and the background's kind of moving, you got the sky, and then like a moving tree line in the background. The characters fly up, and then go flying off into the distance behind the tree line. Uh, kind of like Team Rocket blasting off again <laughs> every time you punch somebody out. I'm like, that is a detail they didn't need to include, and it's fucking hilarious to me. Like, I'm thinking, like, every time you uppercut somebody in Mortal Kombat, they fly out of the, out of the fucking frame and off into the tree line. And, you know, you see them, you know, seconds later. Like, you know, these characters fly off the screen, and it takes a couple of seconds for them to reappear and start falling, like, behind the tree line. I'm like, that's a nice touch. They didn't need to include that touch, but that is so funny to me. So, you know, good, uh... Good on them, man. You know, these, uh, these fun French cartoon characters. Uh, yeah, thanks again, Kel, for the request. Um, I'm not going to say anything bad about the soundtrack. The soundtrack was just fine. Just, just fine. Uh, and Johnny, let's keep it going, man. What do we got coming up next? Game 5.
this game features guest commentary <clears throat> from uh, a dragon, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the colonel from KFC. Can't wait to see what you did. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, you really threw me for a loop on this one, man. <laughs> yeah, that's some some wacky trivia. A very charming part of the game. Yeah, just, just think of the things I just added to my search history. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> see, Jesse always does like subtle little riddle things, so I'm wondering if the game is actually called Wacky Something. No. Okay. <laughs> Alright, let's see. Oh, that KFC dating sim by John. That's incorrect. Uh, Johnny says, Bok Bok Bitch. That's also incorrect. And uh, David is the closest, but sadly incorrect, with Thunder Pro Wrestling, Red Sudan. Um, he was close, but this was 
Cutie Suzuki No Ringside Angel. And uh, this is a, uh, a Japanese wrestling game that came out on the Mega Drive in 1990. Um, it was all, it was all uh, Joshi wrestling, which is uh, uh, women's wrestling in Japan. And um, it only had one actual wrestler in it. The rest were all made up and loosely based on others. But it was the, the name Cutie Suzuki. Um, she was uh, also in some movies and stuff. Um, and a model as a lot of Joshi girls tend to tend to also do. Yes. Um, but um, like back in like the nineties and stuff, uh, women's wrestling in Japan was like really you know respectable and stuff for the most part. Hmm. Like over in the United States, a lot of times you know women's wrestling would be you know the bathroom break you know, um, which is unfortunate. It is. Um, but uh, this this uh game was pretty cool. It was like a um, it had some really cool features in it. Like it had uh, the commentary, like on the, the top, you'd have like this the the main dude, and they'd be you know throwing like Japanese and like word bubbles, and different matches. Uh, you'd have different uh, guest commentaries. So one of them is fucking Colonel Sanders. Uh, you got Arnold Schwarzenegger. You got really the little funny. dragon dude. Um, <sighs> but um, is it any specific dragon, or is it just uh just kind of? So the uh, the game is made by this company called Asmic, I think, mm. and it's their like uh, um, mascot. I originally I thought it was Godzilla, but doing more research about it, it was it's their. Uh, I think his name is Boomer. That would have would have been a great <laughs> get if they could have gotten Toho to sign on with Godzilla doing commentary for women's wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been cool. Oh, man. Um, but, I mean, Schwarzenegger and the Colonel are a pretty good get, too, so... Yeah. yeah that's. <laughs> I wonder if they know they're in the game. <laughs> yeah, that'd be weird. <laughs> they didn't know. Uh, um, just imagine Colonel Sanders, you know, I don't know, his very you know, advanced years, like, being told, like, Sir, someone's stolen your likeness and added it to a, a video game. It's like, oh, no, what could it be? It's like... It's a Japanese-only women's pro wrestling game. Hmm. I suppose that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bothering me. You know, it's not coming out stateside, is it? Good. Uh. They reveal the secrets of my spouses? <laughs> no? Okay. No. Exactly. Yeah, the, uh, the fucking Japanese women's wrestling game reveals the secret herbs and spices. Like, yeah. Who told them? <laughs> All the characters besides Cutie Suzuki are named after <laughs> the different spices. Yep, that would be funny. Cayenne Pepper, that's not a Japanese name. Although, that does... Oregano, what the hell? <laughs> it does... This brings up something that I've wanted to bring up on GTT for a long time. The Spices. Japanese love Colonel Sanders, and I don't understand why. Like, he's like a cult character in Japan. You don't understand why? I'm sorry, David. What is not to understand? It's Colonel Sanders. He's one of the most, yeah. you know, like, I don't know, friendly and wonderful corporate mascots of all time. I don't he know. He invented just... fried chicken. I mean, yeah. I was going to say, it's like, I don't know. There's something about, like, Japan post-1945 looking at a southern colonel and liking him that just seems kind of off in my book. 
Free no, he's of... not the one who dropped the bombs. Yeah. He just <laughs> he's dropped some bomb-ass flavor bombs. Yeah. And free of the context of you know, what a southern colonel means to America, he's just a kindly old man with a funny tie that serves delicious chicken. It doesn't matter you know, what a southern gentleman may, uh, you know, may actually be like in America. He's just the colonel, man. He just wants to give you a two-piece. Like, I, I don't see what the problem is. Look, all I'm saying is I prefer Popeye's. Hey, well, I do too. Don't we all? Don't don't make us start a chicken sandwich war right here on the show, because uh, you know I'm prepared to die on the Popeyes Hill. Um, my goodness, yeah, I I, I I don't believe you know. I uh, speaking of how Colonel Sanders quote unquote invented fried chicken, uh, fucking you know Chick Fil A's claim that they invented the chicken sandwich. Get the fuck, fuck out of here! <laughs> like you've got to be kidding me. That restaurant was the first people ever that thought about putting a piece of fried chicken in between two pieces of bread. Bullshit. Well, even just like hmm. for as long as chickens have been cultivated and as long as the sandwich has been invented, nobody else has thought about using chicken as a meat in the sandwich. Exactly. Like, you know, seriously. I mean, oh, God. Like. Fuck Chick-fil-A and that claim. Like, we didn't invent chicken. We just invented the chicken sandwich. The fuck you did. You didn't even perfect the chicken sandwich, bitch. Popeye's figured that out, you know, late to the game. But, uh, man, what a sandwich. you know, a lot of companies made MP3 players before Apple did. And then they made the iPod and redefined what an MP3 player is. Exact same thing. Exactly. Chick-fil-A's sandwich is the Prism Duro Sport. (laughs) <laughs> of fucking chicken sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is that, like, people... Humanity has been cultivating a chicken as domestic livestock for thousands of years. The yeah. Earl of Sandwich has existed since 1660. So you're telling me that, like, nobody has had that <laughs> thought in almost 350 years? Yeah, it took until the 1970s? To, somebody's like, hey, what if I put chicken on a sandwich? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not not sandwich meat. It couldn't possibly be. No, no, no. You know that, realistically, the chicken sandwich was invented sometime before then and has been served as, like, a staple of, like, Black State Fair, you know, booths for, like, centuries. And (laughs) somehow Chick-fil-A has decided they can take that credit. I don't want to keep talking about this. Um, You know, because Colonel Sanders centuries of black people selling chicken sandwiches at <laughs> state fairs, John. That's the statement. It's, <laughs> Is that the episode title? Pretty up on my American history. <laughs> you know, uh, when the pilgrims landed at, if, <laughs> and if, attended if the this- first state fair... <laughs> If this episode title is Centuries of Black People, I am quitting the show. Yeah, no, not uh, not this month. No, we're going to add the re- best rest of it about so, so the chicken sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, sorry. That fair. makes it so much better. Yeah, no, no please, please, please. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, Jesse, so uh, have you played Cutie Suzuki's wrestling game? Is it a, is it a blast? I mean, th- you know, I didn't really say, so yeah, you were describing this. I'm like, shit, this is a 1990 uh, Mega yeah. Drive game, like it's some old school fucking you know female wrestling, like that's it's coming out at the same time as I assume like WWF games would be coming out over yeah. there in Japan too. Like it's it's a bold move, maybe a bold move. I don't know. 
seems a bold like, move for 30 years ago to release a female-led wrestling game. Like, that doesn't seem like the kind of thing that people would go for back then. Like, it's a little, little, well, you know, women's wrestling was way more popular in Japan, too, especially sure. if you have, like, uh, someone like Cutie Suzuki on the, uh, the title because everyone was bonkers over her. Right. Even though she only held, like, a title one time. Mm, um, like Riho. <laughs> let's not get started on that. Yeah, he'll, and, hopefully uh, only <laughs> one time. <laughs> I, man, uh, Nyla Rose put her through a table as, to this, this evening. Good. So that was pretty great. Take the belt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, this game is it's a little, it's a little basic. Um, like, you know, there's not a whole lot of moves, but again, it's 1990 Sega Genesis, you know, one of the early games. Uh, but the animations are pretty solid. Um, there's some cool stuff, like, uh, if you win, like, a big match at the end, like, it'll be, like, you standing there, and then your opponent will be, like, on her knees crying. Um, or sometimes when you're about to accept a trophy, if you win the tournament, uh, someone will run in and attack you, which is, like... Dope. You know, not a lot of not a lot of games were doing stuff like that back yeah, then. And not a lot of wrestling games had random encounters programmed into them. <laughs> yeah, and um, that's awesome. You know, some of the heels like pull out a chain and choke you with them and stuff, which is pretty cool. Dope. Um, the referees look different every now and then, uh, so there's like different referees, which is this is cool. That's uh, kind of cool. Yeah. The the the, uh, the the audience looks pretty cool. Like like it's. I, I've, I've, I played this game a few years ago, and I was like, this is a really cool wrestling game. And, um, you know, I play it every now and then when I, you know, just think about it. And um, it's definitely in my rotation. Cool, man. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other stuff about it. Um, I know if you watch videos of it, people are kind of scuzzy about it. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. I had to turn this one video... Like oh. off because they were talking about they're like, oh man, I'd let her go down on me, and I was like, okay, <sighs> let's not watch this video anymore. Why God. is that necessary? <laughs> I mean, it, I thought for a second you meant like the comments. I'm like, don't read the comments, but it's like if you're making a gaming retrospective video about like a fun wrestling game from the '90s, maybe don't talk about how the female lead character should go down on you. Good God, yeah. ugh. <laughs> it was. Uh. Just spitballing here. I don't know. I, I don't really make weird. a lot of retrospective videos, so I don't know what's hot on the streets. But um, <laughs> you know, that's not it. Every, everyone in the the retro game community wants to know what game characters you would fuck, like Miss Pac-Man, the dragon from Bible World. Like, mm-hmm. what are you putting your dick in? Right. <laughs> yeah. Episode title. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Thanks, you David. Put your dick in. Yeah, you got us out of that pickle. Um, so, Jesse, uh, <laughs> anything else on uh, Cutie Suzuki, No Ringside Angel? I, I, you know, I love saying Japanese titles. Yeah, it's fun. Um, not really. I, you know, if you got a, a Mega Drive, you should check it out. Hell yeah, man. Well, Johnny, then I think it's time to take it to the calculating computer. Hey, wait a minute. I have... We used two requests. I haven't played a game on this episode, man. I think we might have a bonus game in store.
guys so this game uh was only released outside of japan to pal territories uh, europe and australia there uh you know there were many rumored reasons as to why this was never released in america possibly because of uh religious themes or violence uh but ultimately uh the most commonly cited reason was that the publisher uh actually closed their north american branch just prior to this game's release I'm sure everybody is feeling fantastic after hearing that, especially uh, everybody who is listening along with us who thought perhaps this game was not being featured on the show tonight because I masterfully added two requests to the show before revealing a sixth game. Mm-hmm. Johnny, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Johnny <laughs> says triple question mark. Uh, he's incorrect. Jesse and David both have the correct answer. This is Terranigma. Hell yeah. You should have seen that one coming, folks. Terranigma, released for the SNES, but not in America. Uh, the quote-unquote sequel to Illusion of Gaia, one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, turns out, quote-unquote sequel is very apt. This is not a sequel to Illusion of Gaia. (laughs) Uh, I I attempted to play this before. I didn't get very far into it. It's one of my great gaming shames because I know this game is great and I need to revisit it. And having listened to the soundtrack and now the music on the show and having time caught up with me, it's like, yeah, John, it's it's 2020. You should have fucking played Terranigma by now. Uh, Especially because... It wasn't just released in Japan, it was released in Europe and Australia with a full translation. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it sucks, uh, doesn't it? 
I'm just saying, it's very strange they wouldn't put this out in uh, in America. And you know, but I get it. Cartridges, they're they're expensive. And Enix, I guess, closed up in America right before this came out. It was you know very late in the SNES life cycle, and nobody was gonna go for a new Illusion of Gaia. I I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why they couldn't just maybe throw us a bone on this one. And it's even worse that this didn't get an American release. Uh, you know. David, you know, pop quiz. Do you know who published this game in Europe and Australia? Okay, you're asking me, so I'm gonna guess WayForward? No, 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 please. I'm, you know, mostly just trolling you. So, Enix was oh, the, okay. uh, you know, Quintet was the developer, Enix was the publisher, and they were set to publish it in America, and they didn't. They closed up and didn't do it. Nintendo published the game in Australia and Europe and used their own translation team. So the translation on this is just fine. And there's no reason that Nintendo couldn't have thrown us a fucking bone and uh, gotten it over here. So I don't know what the problem was. But apparently now people look back on it and they say, actually, maybe a silver lining that they didn't release a chopped up version of this in America because apparently this game's heavy duty like it's all kind of heaven and hell stuff underworld and world of light uh, devil versus angel kind of shit which doesn't play well in America uh, at least not yeah, at least not when a Jap Japanese company tries to do it I don't know maybe people in America like that <laughs> um, I've never played this game but I've heard legend tell of it and doesn't this game, like, start at the beginning of time, and you kind of see, like, the evolution of the world? You might be thinking of Evo Search for Eden. Um, but I mean, well, I mean, okay, maybe not <laughs> at the beginning of time. But I seem to remember that, like, evolution and growing, like, being a big theme within this game. Like, watching the world expand. Right, and see, I haven't played it, so I don't know exactly how they do this, but th when the game starts, you're in this, like, you know, quiet little village in the underworld, and as you explore the underworld and complete these towers, these magical areas, it restores things, uh, quote-unquote restores, it, you know, f it creates things in the world above. So, yes, it's a hollow earth, you live inside of it, and by breaking these seals or whatever, life, you know, starts to develop on Earth. That is my understanding of what happens in this game. It sounds pretty fucking cool and kind of trippy. And, you know, frankly, it's my new religion. Uh, I'm, so this is a hollow, I'm a Earth, hollow Earther. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. I, yeah, that's it, guys. I'm, you know, I've become a hollow Earther. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, you, know, you know, going to the Church of Terranigma. Um, it's, uh... Not a lot of churches for the uh, Church of Terranigma here in America. <laughs> Do you have any uh, oh. pamphlets you can give out? I'm very interested in this religion. Johnny, ha have I got literature? I got, you know, sealed inbox this game with a manual. That's all you need. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, and let me finish because it's not going where you think. When it comes oh, to the boy. hollow earth theory, like, I definitely, it's not true, but I definitely think like... <laughs> We lost a little something because, like, those classic adventure and, like, pulp novel stories that use that as a mechanic and everything, I, I feel like they had a certain appeal. And, again, right. the Hollow Earth isn't real, but 
everybody dismissing that like, I don't know, I feel like we lost something by not having Hollow Earths in fiction anymore. I didn't know that was a quote-unquote theory before now. I thought it was just kind of used in things like Journey to the Center of the Earth. I, I, I was just making a joke. Uh, no, I, oh no, there are people, people who people believe that. that. It's that. true, yeah. I would like there was flat Earth. Oh, I would what? like to very clearly and unequivocally state that I do not believe the Earth is hollow and that the world was created by a man unleashing, you know, sealed towers that spawned life on Earth. No, 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 no. Okay, no. I don't subscribe to that. That is not my religion. Um, you know, though I, I do think that all of us in life should aspire at some point to kill God. That's, uh, that's what I'm just saying. You know, perhaps... Uh, that's my religion. I don't know. You know, God killing. Um, but yeah, I, like yeah, the, the game. I, I love the <laughs> idea of you making a joke. It's like, oh yeah, this is my new religion. Ha ha ha. And then once you find out that people actually believe that, like, oh no, God, no. This is not my real religion. No, yeah. Uh, yeah please. I'm not here to discuss what might be someone's real religion. I thought I was just having a, making a funny. Like, you know, <laughs> nobody would believe that. The Earth is as it is described in Terranigma. That's a good joke. Oh, no, I just clowned on someone's actual religion. No matter how stupid that is, I feel bad for having done it. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I do want to play this game. I think it's fucking really cool looking, and it's got you know, the illusion of Gaia, Soul Blazer, top-down you know, ex exploration. Uh, from what I was reading, it's got like cool magic spells and things, but... There's no MP in the game. You buy, like, kind of, like, use, uh, one-time use, like, magic talismans, uh, throughout the game. So it's, you know, it's real item-heavy magic, but, like, the spells look pretty fucking cool. So, you know, I'm kind of, kind of intrigued by it. I'm sure that doesn't get as tedious as it sounds, because it sounds a little tedious. Like, I, I, you know, I like, a, I like an MP system and then, like, uh, take an herb to replenish my MP and do some more magic. Oh, me too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. You know, get some of those wish.com pills to replenish your MP. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, the, you know, the game looks cool as shit. And, yeah, like I was saying, so the silver lining to it being not released in America is if they ever do feel like doing something like, say, drop it into the Switch on the SNES service, the only version out there for them to do that with is either the Japanese, you know, so it's in, you know, Japanese, okay, no big problem, or the fucking international version. There's no excuse for them to make a censored version of this was the point that I was, like, seeing in a lot of places. It's like, you know, that's a good point. It's it's out there, it's not chopped up American style, and, you know, yeah, you can, uh, you know, you can find it, or you can hope that it'll someday get some sort of official American release, and it'll probably be the right version. So, that's kind of cool. I see the merits in that. At the same time, as someone who spent the 90s burned by Seiken Densetsu 3, now Trials of Mana, only having been released last fucking year, uh, I gotta say, I kinda wish they would've just fucking released the game. I loved Illusion of Gaia, and this should've come out in America. It's absurd that Enix didn't just fucking crank it out, and it's even more absurd that Nintendo published it elsewhere and not here. Like, seriously, this should've come out. Like, what the fuck? I wanted that, this game. Do you think that Nintendo looked at the library of the Super Nintendo and then looked at one more JRPG and was like, you know what? No, we're good. It's like, not I think one more JRPG. It's another entry in that Blazer Gaia, you know, tr you know, quote unquote trilogy. 
It's a it's an open world adventure game uh, that has light RPG elements. Like Illusion of Gaia is not an RPG. The, you know you only get experience points by killing things, and there's no variables to it. You you kill everything in one area, you get the same thing every time. It's just an adventure game with stat you know stat increases over time. I assume that's probably still in play here. This ain't no ape JRPG, man. This is another Zelda. This is another Beyond Oasis. This is another uh, Soul Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, uh, Alkahest. I mean, you know, like, how many things... How many things like is this a, a good version of? And they just they couldn't they couldn't throw us a bone. I know it was probably going to come out like <laughs> after the Nintendo 64, but like still throw us a damn bone, guys. I uh, I would have played it. I didn't get a Nintendo 64 at launch. I was still playing that Super Baby. So anyway, game looks dope. I'm calling now. It's my mission to play it, this this year. So is, I'm, I'm going to crank out some Terra Nick. It is stupid that they released a Famicom game after the Super Nintendo. Why didn't they release Super Nintendo games after the N64? I would have played it. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. I never said it was stupid for them to have released you know, Famicom games. It just it's not, a gr- it's not the best idea, but, you know, it's, it, it's done. It's made. Like, you know, the, the problem with uh, Gimmick was that they went into it knowing that they had to make it better than Super Nintendo. This was already done. They could have just fucking, you know, hit, you know, right-click, export for America. That's all they had to do. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. It's uh, it's silly that it didn't come out. Because, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm into it. And, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to play it this year. I'm not going to, like, broadcast myself playing it. I'm just going to fucking play it and get all pensive about the Hollow Earth theory and... You know, how we're all living in the underworld and all of our, you know, missions in life is to unseal those towers and restore life to a, a brighter overworld somewhere. I, I don't know, man. This game sounds nuts. I'm looking forward to it. Johnny, let's go to the calculating computer, my man. Calculating computer activated. You hear that, like, balloon rubbing sound? Like... Oops. Scoring complete. This game's winner is David Fleming. Hell yeah. Great game, David. You know a thing or two about games that none of us have played. Apparently. Yeah, congrats. It's uh, yeah, something you can lord over us. You won our uh, non-American edition of Game That Tune. Congratulations. Uh so I don't want you to, uh, you know, be inspired by this uh, this episode and choose the same theme for the next episode because uh, you know we established there's not very many games left out there that weren't released in America. So I'm hoping you got a fantastic theme in mind for next week's episode. Well, you know, I do have a fantastic theme in mind, uh, inspired by personal experiences that I have been going through. Uh, so if you follow me on the Twitter, you may have noticed that lately I have been really enjoying training Amiibo in Smash Brothers Ultimate, so my theme is games that feature toys. Either games that like Toys to Life games, games about toys, just any game that uh, ties into toys. That's maybe the okay. most David theme we've ever had. Yeah, that is on brand. Isn't it right? Yes, very on brand for you. Well done, sir. So yes, toys next week on Game That Tune. Uh, I guess we're going to be games and toys that tune. Uh, 
Games, toys, and hobbies. That tune. G-T-H-T-T. Um, it's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Because, uh, yeah, you know, there's... Uh, We'll talk about it later. We, you know, we, we already got into a good Toys to Life discussion last week, so this will be an extra opportunity for Johnny to learn exactly what that means. So, uh, hell yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Great theme. And uh, get your requests in, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. Thanks, everybody, watching along live with us. We're live every Wednesday night. We're on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Search for Game That Tune. Find us in your podcast devices, anywhere you get your podcast. Check us out, Game That Tune. Listen, enjoy, maybe throw us a rating, maybe don't. I really just want you guys to listen and love the show. Uh, thank you to everybody checking out patreon.com slash game that tune. we got a lot of fun going on over at Patreon. We've got uh, GTT gems. We've got Jesse's covered up. We've got mixtapes. Uh, we're always, you know, communicating with you guys, and you know, we really love the little community that we're building, not just through Patreon, but through uh, through pretty much the entire podcast. We we just love having fans, and we greatly appreciate it. I want to say special thanks to our Patreon super fans: Alex Messenger, Lance Revere, Damian Beckles, Bradford Stevens, Daniel Perky, XX Chrono XX. Uh, oh shit. Um. I'm spacing on the last Dominic guy and Kelly. Um, thank you all very much for being uh, Patreon super fans. You guys are all fantastic. And if you go over to Patreon uh, and subscribe at a certain level, guess what? We'll slide you them digis, and you can give us a call on the Patreon GTT hotline and get your uh, get your message played on the show, uh, like this. Guess who? Looking for the paper boy. Oh no! Mm. Got a whole freezer full of popsicles. Chris? <laughs> Is that it? the whole thing? <laughs> yeah. Wow. This <laughs> was the worst idea. <laughs> this is yeah. the best idea. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so if that doesn't make you want to give us Patreon money, I don't know. <laughs> You, too, can leave similar creepy messages. <laughs> Wowie! Uh, yeah, so uh, give us a buzz. Imitate your favorite characters. Um, <laughs> good lord. Um, yeah, and thank you for uh, for everybody placing requests. Uh, you can send your request game that tune at gmail.com. You can send us your requests in our Discord server. Maybe find us on YouTube uh, in our 24-7 live stream. Um, you know, thank you to Adele and Kel both for their requests. That should be a sitcom on Nickelodeon. Calling it now. Um, and yeah, you can uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. We're there at Game That Tune. You can find us individually on Twitter. I'm there at jgangsta187. You can find John Regan on Twitter at JP Regan Jr. You can find Jesse Moore on Twitter at Sega underscore Legend. And you can find David Fleming, this week's winner, on Twitter at DFD Fleming. Hell yeah, David. So, what do you have in mind for bonus tunes to take us home tonight? So, to take us out, um, carrying on that kind of toy theme, it is the remix of Ribbon Road from Mario Kart 8. Hell yeah. Is that the one where you get to play as Pepsi Man? Maybe. I don't know. Peace out, everybody. I actually forgot to upload bonus music, so that's what we will add into post. Um, John, John, play, the play pe- whatever play. music you can play. play. Preferably play Pepsi di- Man. Play the fucking Pepsi Man, bro. Pepsi Man! No.
Man, none of these games came out in America. There's no copyrights. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>